minutes, 15 seconds. You are speaking with Brandon, and uh, we're here today just because I wanted to share a concept with you that I have been um, navigating through as we become energy advisors as an organization and share with you just some of the steps in the process because I know that we are not the only ones here in Canada that are doing our part to join a movement towards uh, making buildings more efficient for Canadians, uh, whether that be a single family or a um, multifamily. It's referred to as MERBs. And I get stumbled because I wouldn't want to talk to my mom or my cousins or my friends when I say MERBs. It just feels like an odd acronym, uh, but that's multi-unit residential buildings. So forgive me if I if I fumble that one because it just doesn't roll off the tongue uh, the way that a uh, single family home does. So diving right in, what I wanted to share just very briefly today is an update on our journey uh, of how we have become energy advisors as a as an organization, uh, admittedly, it has been an a bumpy path. Uh, when I consider the the emphasis that's been placed on this from the authorities with jurisdiction, meaning government municipalities, the keenness on uh, reaching new step code initiatives here in BC or green building initiatives across Canada, uh, this is not straightforward. So. This message is not one of discouragement for you. This is just candid, like real time. If you're sitting here on the threshold of your decision to join in this, uh, join in this career move towards becoming an energy advisor, just know uh, it's not straightforward. Okay, that doesn't mean don't go. That just means be aware. Uh, we're fortunate here uh, it, that this is not our primary source of income. So uh, we are renovation contractors. We're home builders. This is not um, like becoming an energy advisor wasn't wasn't how we were going to get paid this month. Uh, but <laughs> I, that being said, this is still a viable business. Uh, like we, we went into this, we made, we made a business case aligned with our ecological consciousness decision to go down this path, believing that it would be a sustainable source of revenue for us as a company long-term. Uh, you know, having been in this, I'm going to say about four months now from the day we thought, hey, this is the path we want to walk down to having written the foundations exam, written the energy advisor exam, written the multi-unit residential building uh, specialization energy advisor exam, uh, and then finding ourselves here, unable to acquire a service organization, say acquire, align with, join with, uh, link with. Um, I, didn't, I didn't expect it to be uh, such a veiled path forward because I believed based on all the press releases and uh, frankly, the initiatives from some utilities that this would be a more streamlined process. And uh, and again, it's not. So what? It's going to be a little bit of work, which is why we're making this podcast and talking about this, because I want you to learn from what we have learned along the way. There's no reason for you to have to navigate into the, into the mystery the same way that we did. So this is what we've discovered so far. Uh, the foundations exam is difficult. Uh, difficult because it's so ambiguous. You need to learn things from ladder safety, uh, general house uh, details, like you know what a lintel versus a threshold versus a collar tie. Uh, and then you need to know building systems like uh, domestic hot water or um, 
what a condensing unit is as a furnace or versus non-condensing unit. Like it's it's it is thorough and it is broad. And frankly, uh, the foundations exam would af- would apply if you wanted to become a tradesperson in any particular domain. If you wanted to become an engineer, uh, if you wanted to be an architect, it's kind of drawing on. Do you understand building, uh, building science, construction practices, and so on? Uh, and there is no formal training regiment for this, which means that um, you got to fumble through the gaps in what you know and what they expect you to know. And I wish this was more defined. The best you're going to get so far, this is August. We're sorry, we're into September 2021 right now. Uh, the best you're going to get is a list of the most challenging topics people typically get wrong. Uh, which honestly was where we dove in and said, okay, if these are the most challenging, perhaps we can wrap our, our awareness around these items and study the minutia of it. Um, yeah. So, you know, you're dealing with RSI values versus R values and it's a Greek symbol. I think it's like mu E, like there's, um, a, a coefficient of thermal trans, uh, transmissivity that that is not the correct word, but your windows let heat in and out. And whether they do that a lot, high high solar heat gain windows, or whether they do that a little bit, low solar heat gain windows, uh, you need to understand the difference of those and the advantages of why you would want one on the south side of your building versus the north side of your building. And uh, you know, the question I would I would ask anybody who wrote this exam is, where do you expect us to compile that information? Uh, because an exam is meant to test knowledge, but uh, I do believe that we are as an industry here to support people in success uh, because I believe that people on this path are, are going to, they will apply themselves to learn what's required, but you could spend months studying things that are entirely irrelevant to this, um, to this whole operation and what you'll be tested on. So there are a couple of test quizzes that you will take. Once you sign on to the Anarchan website, it will direct you to yardstick, which is what I understand is their third party software uh, that they're proctoring the exams through. Sorry, not proctoring that you buy your exams through further to that. You will need to go to proctorio, which is uh, where they will actually proctor your exam. If you take it online or you'll have to go to a registered exam center. Uh, It's cheaper to do it online. It's, uh, you got to work through Chrome, they'll download an app, they audit your computer, they shut down some of the permissions in your uh, operating system and so on. It's, it's a pretty, you release a pretty thorough uh, amount of control to the Proctorio. Um, I think they have a reputation for being trustworthy with your personal information, but make no mistake, they are fully in control of your computer while they're watching you through the webcam, write your exam. Uh, so when you sign up for your nine o'clock start time for your exam or 1130, if that's when you pick, uh, expect about 20 minutes, half an hour will be spent getting you ready. They'll need your driver's license. They'll take pictures of that. Uh, you will need to spin your computer around, show them you don't have sticky notes all over the back wall of your office with cheat sheets or anything like that. Um, something we didn't anticipate is you'll need, you have the ability to write some things down, but it needs to be either on a whiteboard, like a little eight and a half by 11 whiteboard with a, with a white erase marker, or I had to scramble through the filing cabinet to find a piece of paper that is inside of a, uh, a page protector. 
And so, the, and you have to show them the piece of paper, it's blank on both sides and it's inside the plastic sleeve and you can use a uh, dry erase marker on that. And the intent is that you then, uh, you have to erase everything before you, you finish your exam. Like you can't write down all the questions and then quit the exam and have this little piece of paper with all your stuff and notes on it. You have to clear it, but uh, you can. And for us, for the square footage piece, I know that um, that just helped because I'm like, I'm drawing out squares. I'm, I'm compartmentalizing a square footage uh, floor plan. And I wanted to keep track of the um, the different segments and so on. And it was just helpful for me to write that down. So I'm glad that that permission was available. Uh, so then, okay, so I'm thinking this. Uh, foundation's energy advisor exam in contrast i thought was a lot more straightforward it still involved reading i think they have a pdf that's 193 pages long and then uh, there's a bunch of information on the exam that's not in that 193 pages i can tell you having written the exam um so there there's a bunch of links buried from like several generations ago we ended up finding to get the actual information that was tested but not on the current i'll call it version 15.1 study guide so uh thankfully even on the foundations exam i went into it with a um, a beginner's mindset going i'm i might fail this exam it's an hour and a half or sorry it's three hours long 150 questions uh and i might pay my 110 or 117 dollars whatever it ends up being uh, and i might fail outright and i'm okay with that uh because Failure is part of learning and exploring, and it's undefined. So I uh, went into it, ended up passing, and I'm sure, I think I'm guessing, I'm guessing the passing is like 70, 75, and I bet you I got 76%. <laughs> and I'm like, I've, I've been, I'm a licensed contractor. Uh, you know, I'm ticketed um, a Red Seal carpenter. I'm a project management professional. Uh, I'm a licensed home builder. And I still like a 76% on this foundation exam because it was just so broad. And uh, I'm thankful I passed. That's all I needed to do was, was check that box, move down the field, um, made notes of all the study things that I got wrong so that I could go back and, and review, of course, just because the, the goal isn't just to like say I got through it. It's actually to be you know proficient in this industry. But uh, nonetheless, passed that one. Did, I think, marginally better on the energy advisor exam. and. Uh, and then got to the MERB exam and again, study went, okay, we're missing so much information. They're asking things that, uh, like they're going to ask, what is the energy advisor? Uh, I think hot 2000, I'm still saying, I think, because I've never played with hot 2000. Lo and behold, I was tested on a bunch of questions on hot 2000, where to click, where to go, how to use it. I've never been allowed access to hot 2000 as a government regulated Excel program. So I, I was I was using the power of intuition and common sense, and I got a lot of the questions wrong, frankly. But um, you're going to be asked the standard conditions, base loads, uh, and one of the questions that you'll be asked on, I was asked both exams, so the, the energy advisors for single buildings was, um, are the base loads for two, two adults, one children, home 50% of the time, two adults, one child, home 75% of the time, two adults, two children, 50% of the time, two adults, two children, or is it one adult, one child, 50% of the time, which I'd never heard of that information before. I still don't know the answer to that information. Uh, I've think, I think, because I found a reference to something uh, that seemed to indicate two adults, two children, 50% of the time. When I was studying for my MERB concepts from some third party i think it was like a green home builders blog post something or other 
Because then on the MERB exam, and when I failed it the first time, the question was, how are the MERB standard conditions different from the single family home um, standard conditions? And so I guess two parents, one child, 50% of the time. And I think, I think it's two parents, two child, 50% of the time, no matter what. But you're watching me go, I still don't know with a sense of like matter of fact certainty. Uh, but I can tell you that it's a collar tie uh, on the top of the trusses when they point to the green horizontal piece in the truss package and say, name this. And it's either Jack Stud or uh, a Valley Cripple or a collar tie. It's a collar tie. That's what it is. Uh, I found that on some, um, again, some very buried government documentation. So that's a freebie for you. Um, so having passed all the exams, uh, then I, I think we talked on a previous uh, podcast. I was talking with Matt about the path to becoming certified. Then we have to join with an SO, which is a service organization. And just to come up a thousand foot level here for a moment and talk about service organizations, I want to I use an analogy of a car dealership uh, just to, to, to kind of see where it fits, because this was, again, unclear to us when we started. Uh, we didn't know if we were going to become a service organization and therefore inherit the power of being an energy advisor or the other way around or what. So turns out service organizations are are a gateway uh, for between the government and an energy advisor. So using an analogy of a car dealership, there that's the, you know, in my hometown, that's Kelowna Toyota. Uh, you could, if you live in Calgary, it's Calgary Toyota. If you live in Vancouver, it's Vancouver Toyota, but they're the dealership. And as an energy advisor, you're essentially becoming a licensed car dealer. Now what you deal is energy reports and ener energy modeling. Uh, but the car dealership, like just like a car salesman, he has to go through his dealership to order cars and trucks from Toyota Canada. Think National Resources Canada. So uh, they will, they will, Toyota will never let a dealer uh, or a, sorry, a car salesman order directly from the factory. Uh, they have to order through the licensed dealer, which is really audited uh, from a government standpoint, from a tax standpoint, from a quality control standpoint, from the tiles in the showroom standpoint. Uh, and, but we get to, as energy advisors or as car salesmen, work for the dealer. The dealer connects to the manufacturer uh, who supplies the and you know, as an energy advisor, they supply stamps, you know, saying that this is this is modeled or here's your energy uh, report. Um, so the service organization coming out of that metaphor. So energy advisors are independent inspectors that are boots on the ground in the field who submit their uh, paperwork to a service organization who audits it. Uh, and they have different tiers of auditing that you'll need to know about uh, because there's quality control checks, one, two, three, four, or level five. Uh, and then they submit those to the government on your behalf. And then I, and they take a fee for that. I think it's a hundred and ish dollars. Uh, and then they're going to, the government's going to process that. And I, what I still don't know is whether they send that back to the SO back to you or whether they send that energy report directly to the homeowner. Uh, based on the information in the client account. But uh, that's the process. So it's really interesting for us in this organization looking at it because we thought about becoming an S like our SOs are strategic partners. We need them. We're going to feed them work. Every time we employ them, they they essentially take a hundred, I'm going to call it a hundred dollar fee. It could be 120 or 150 again to be determined um, for processing and quality control pieces. Great. So I thought you know, we're going to get our energy advising uh, designation by passing our exams. We'll register with National Resource Canada. 
join the SO and then off to the races. And we can start um, meeting clients, private clients or builders and go, let's, um, let's do energy modeling on your home for you. As soon as I have a report, I pass it off to my service organization, who's a third party partner, make sure that I'm doing top quality uh, reporting processes, not cutting corners. And here we go. Come to find out, service organizations are hard to align with. I think there's a regulated amount or fixed amount right now. There's 77 province wide. I, uh, there's private organizations and then there's nonprofit service organizations. Uh, there's a distinction between the both. Obviously, a nonprofit is like an association. So the Canadian Home Builders Association, for example, advocates on behalf of builders and building principles, building practices, and both from the consumer standpoint, the builder standpoint, nonprofit. They're also an SO. So I thought, perfect. We're members of the CHBA. Let's align with these guys. But they have a freeze on it's down on the lower mainland, which is Vancouver, four or four or so hours away from us, because we're up here in Kelowna in the interior of British Columbia. They're not taking any more energy advisors. They're full, which to me says that they've capped out on the amount of reports that they can process based on staff. That's a throughput thing. It's a lean principles, bottlenecking uh, awareness. Good for them. But that leaves us up here in the Okanagan stranded. There's also some protocol that the service organization, uh, in this case, the CHBA, won't take us because we need to go through their training before they just say, all right, kiddo, you want to become a energy advisor? Look at us. We're going to send you through this training. I don't think it's, I don't mean to sound um, like there's any kind of chastisement or anything or sarcasm. And I'm just having fun here, but going, Hey, you want to become a, uh, an energy advisor that's aligned with us. We want to make sure you're trained properly. So you're not a cowboy. Um, you and any of your staff that want to follow this path have to go do our training, which I fundamentally don't have a problem with. We're learning from people, best practice, shortcut on experience, all that fun stuff, right? But COVID, they don't have any in-class training. Secondly, they're not taking any more energy advisors, even though there's a significant shortage in the Okanagan here. They're not taking any more because down on the coast are full. And they haven't digitized their training yet. So they're not taking any training applications until the training, digital online training is full, but they're already busy. So uh, the the training has just been, I think, a, a year or so in the works and to be determined when it'll be finished. And obviously, the first iteration, quality control and all that fun stuff. It's just like it it is a lot more complicated than expected. So that sends us back to the private sector service organization, which I have a lot of respect for uh, because there are some fantastic for-profit service organizations. I had um, I had initially move towards a nonprofit because I think the the mandate of a nonprofit is a little bit more inclusive of some of the things that we value than a for-profit company, which typically will, we're here to make money. And if there's, and that's the foremost priority, and sometimes at the expense of some other things that we care about. So um, nonetheless, here we go, private organizations. The problem is nobody's getting back to us. We've even, we have even been referred to some people nobody's returning the emails. So it's, it's posed uh, a significant challenge uh, because obviously we need to link with somebody. And I think everybody's just genuinely busy. There's a building boom out here in BC. And uh, we, as a, as a new energy advisor, represent a time investment on their behalf. And frankly, they don't know us. They don't know the quality of our work or the amount of volume we're going to bring to the organization. And I'm even thinking, frankly, uh, again, referencing the way that we operate as with some lean principles, where's the bottleneck going to be? If we're if we optimize our workflow 
here as energy advisors, uh, we could run into a bottleneck where a service organization isn't able to process the volume of uh, applications that we send through. So, which again could create more frustrations for the well-intentioned for-profit or not-for-profit service organization going, we're here to serve the people. Oh my goodness, we're, we're flooded. Um, and so I think we're, I'm going to say we're on the front side and the veiled side of that. Uh, and, and take this for what it is. This is just me wondering because uh, without communication and dialogue um, with the people that don't get back to their emails, it's just, it's hard to know. So this is what I would say to you. Here's my summary thoughts. Um, you, and I know that Matt and I are going to do this, by the way, is post our, sh- our short, our, our, I'm going to say our study guides. Uh, we've condensed some notes that we've, we've compiled uh, as we've studied. We've, we found the information that was missing on our application or our study initial go through. So uh, my hope is, again, to be a resource for you to, to make this process a path less bumpy that's and i hope you'll do the same thing for the people coming behind you um i know that you know you gaining these resources is essentially you know training our competition in some regard and i say good uh we need more people in this space we need to get better at this as an industry uh and as professional rivals um i i i wish you very well um and if you have some insights you can share back we would appreciate that also uh because um Rather than being in competition for one another, our stance is uh, the, the the market needs to shift faster uh, than it's currently able to shift, and we want to be change agents and people who bring momentum to this process. So that's the why. Uh, you don't have to pay for it. I think Matt's going to do the I say the hard work because that's not where my head is uh, of making sure the downloadable links or something's on the Facebook part. Um, our Facebook page is a closed group. You will need to ask permission. This isn't a, we're not interested in hecklers or anything like that. This is a professional organization. It's frankly the simplest and easiest way, I think, for us to communicate with people and make resources available. Um, but, uh, you know, we're just, we're not here to debate frivolous, silly things. We're here to help people that are actually interested in making steps down the field. And uh, yeah, and that's how that goes. So, no plugs. I don't need you to like us. Matt says he wants likes, but <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. I'm not doing this for, for your thumbs up. I'm doing this because it's right. Um, all right. So then moving on. So my recommendations for you is this. Um, takes, if access the study guide or study on your own, however you want to do it, um, you hopefully just guides you like narrows in the spectrum. So, you know, kind of the vein of your, um, uh, your study, then I would say find a service organization uh, first. Like uh, if I would have known the difficulty we had here, everyone kept deferring us. And frankly, I was hoping the CHBA would have their training r- protocols together because I think then you just got to pass the foundations exam and they walk you through the energy advisor thing as part of the training. That's my guess. But I was hoping we'd, we'd be able to do that. They deferred us. So we just did the, the work of figuring it out on our own. Then I thought, hey, now we're certified. We don't need your training. Can you just take us on? There's a mandate where a service organization has to model your first five. It's like an intensive review of your first five projects, which is perfect. That would make sure that we're on the same path. Uh, and then off to the races. I was wrong. I was just wrong. So um, it's not that way. I would have been knocking on the door of service organizations, getting commitments from them, starting relationships with them before, as soon as I had passed the foundations exam, frankly, so they knew I was at least serious and eligible. Um, I would have been been doing that more uh, more intentionally. 
because realistically, it'll take you a few weeks to get to your energy advisor exam, likely, uh, even if you're starting off as an engineer or a builder, because you just got to go through the content. There's a lot of it. Uh, and then another week or two to pass your multi-unit residential building, which is different. It's different enough that you need to put some time into it. Um, yeah, so get get to your SO and find out who you're going to be working with so that once you cross your thresholds, then then I, th- I think you're clear with the government to say, hey, listen, uh, these guys are now el- eligible to partner with an SO. Join in. Uh, if they have training along the way, that's only going to make it easier for you. Although our experience says that training isn't required uh, because we did it without being trained. Now, what we're left with is I hope we understand what an energy advisor is required to do, you know, using our our construction related experience. And, you know, we've done engineer like we've done structural inspections and reports and evaluations and seen lots and lots and lots of engineer audits and and thorough investigations in our um, repair contracting. So when they say an energy advisor, you're going in and performing a thorough comprehensive analysis of the, the home. Uh, I have a, I have a grid for what that means. So inspecting the furnace as distinct from you know we typically do is expect inspect the rotten post at the base of the cantilevered uh balcony overhead or something like this so it's it's just inspecting different components is what i think i understand how to enter that in hot 2000 still the mystery i hope it's intuitive <laughs> let's just say that I, i'm grateful for the the significant intelligence of our team to solve those problems because uh i feel like if if you can do the work of collecting the information in the field at a high quality rate, you, you won't have to go back and, oh, I forgot to take a picture of the front of the building or determine whether the windows were two or three pane and whether there was a low E coating on the windows and which pane that coating was on, which will be all part of the, the due protocol of being an energy advisor, for example. But, um, okay. So I would say, just give me a moment thinking, be the, go pass the foundations exam, go find yourself a service organization. Uh, not-for-profits are perhaps going to be a little bit more inclusive with you. They also get paid right now. I think there's a government grant that pays them a couple of grand to train you. So I thought that, again, I just expected that would be an extra easy incentive. It didn't work out that way. So uh, good luck and let us know how you got there so you can guide some other folks too. Um, yeah, blower door test. We obviously are going to need one your blower door testing equipment. And uh, we were a month out on that uh, from when we ordered it. So uh, it came from the States. It's still in transit. Uh, Apparently it's shipped. It's held up in customs, brokerage, all that kind of stuff. Like that's just real. Um, I think that cost us about $6,500 Canadian after it was all said and done, plus whatever the brokerage is going to end up being. So uh, not a small investment up front, obviously all your hand tools, presumably if you're in the space, you have some, but uh, you'll be looking, I'm going to guess a one to two thousand bucks depending upon how how shiny you like your things so far those are the those are the field costs ladders and all that supplementary stuff is i haven't included in this um you are also i'm going to do another podcast on what's required uh from a digital infrastructure standpoint because um you will need to manage a lot of information and you will need to do that in a way that is according to the privacy act if you're here in Canada. Uh, so just 
uh, that that piece is actually the one that I'm most excited about because I feel like there's a real opportunity there for people to do well uh, and some real risks for people who don't do it well. So uh, I'm going to do another episode on that because I think it's super relevant regardless of whether or not you want to become an energy advisor. I think it's good business principles in this day and age uh, because truly what we're managing is a bunch of data and uh, it's from the inside of people's homes and they tend to care about these things is so I'm guessing. So with that, I guess we're going to sign off. So thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, again, we haven't, we're just starting this process. So we haven't worked out where you're going to comment, where you're going to like, where you're going to link. If you get to this later and we figured that out and you find it, congratulations. <laughs> I'm proud and pumped and, uh, and truly uh, your time is valuable. Uh, your interest in this field is relevant. And, uh, and I truly hope this contributed. So all the best. Thanks for listening to the Net Zero to Hero podcast. Be sure to visit our website at netzerotohero.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and gain access to our free resources and materials.